Okay, preach the word. Somebody over here said it too. Thank you guys. We're going to look at the book of Zechariah chapter 4. I encourage you to open up to Zechariah chapter 4. Thank you, Frank Odell. Thank you, Elizabeth Johns and Catherine, right? Thank you all for being here. Thank you for that uh, encouraging report. One of the things we're really encouraging all of our members of Gateway to do this year is to try to make some connection with missionaries. So we would love for you to make personal connection with missionaries. Some of us uh, had the blessing and the opportunity to go to Kenya. Maybe if some of you want to do that, that would be great. But there's lots of other opportunities to go to other missions that are much closer. Uh, one of them is just about maybe five and a half or six miles from here. And that's the Lifeway Pregnancy Center that we just heard about. That's one of our missions here in Rudoso. So we would encourage you to connect, continue to connect with Elizabeth and with Catherine. Talk to Frank. Talk to them about ways that you can personally be involved. This can change other people's lives when you're involved. And God uses it to change your life as well. So if you look on the back of our bulletin there, you'll see there's nine or ten missions that we support. We want to encourage you, begin praying and thinking about what mission or missionary can I connect with in 2020? We're in this series of lessons. We just right in the middle today, just got another week next week and we'll finish this series in Zechariah. If you want to open your Bible up, I'm sure it'll fall right open to Zechariah. We all read it often and uh, keep it marked in our Bible. I actually had to look it up, go to the front, you know, and the little thing where you have to look at the page numbers to go find it. That's how small and difficult of a little book it is in the Old Testament for me personally. But we are using this big pile of junk up on the stage here as a prop for the book of Zechariah. Zechariah was written to people who had returned to Jerusalem and they found the city in ruins, similar in ways to what we see right here. They came back to a big pile of junk. And this big pile up here also represents for each of us things in our lives, situations, circumstances, perhaps where your family is or has been or might be, for our congregation perhaps, how some of you may feel about where Gateway is at, oh, it's not the same as it used to be, or for our nation, some people feel like, oh, our nation is just in a big pile of rubble. We have these, we have these opinions, these feelings, these emotions about our circumstances, and the places that we live. It feels sometimes like life can be an impossible mess. What can we do with this? What can we do with this? The first week in our series, we talked about the first thing to do. Every single time you come to a circumstance like this in your life, number one thing that the book of Zechariah tells us to do is repent. Repent. And many of you that were here that day came to the front and you dropped a piece of uh, junk, piece of metal, and you wrote down the things you were repenting of. You dropped them here at the cross. And last week we talked about the fact that God takes off our filthy rags. It's kind of a different metaphor, but sort of the same idea, the junk in our life. And He takes off these Filthy rags is what chapter 3 says. And he puts on a clean robe of the work of Jesus Christ at the cross. He clothes us in Christ's righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. The best trade you'll ever make in your whole life your sin, your mess for God's righteousness. That's a great trade. I encourage you to make it if you never have. We also mentioned the fact that God makes beautiful things, or last week we watched a video that God makes beautiful music out of from what others consider to be 
garbage. And even in your own life, there may be circumstances, situations, things that are going on that some people say, man, just forget that. That's all junk. That's garbage. God will use all those circumstances to use those things to make beautiful music in your life. And this week, we're going to see that God uses, as we've been singing about and that Paul's been helping introduce, we're going to see how God uses small efforts, small efforts in His work that He is doing on this earth. So that's what we're going to see in Zechariah chapter 4 today. Every week we have a prayer before we read from God's Word, and we pray, uh, we pray first of all, for another congregation of believers in our village. And this morning we'll be praying for First Baptist Church, just over, uh, that actually that uh, Frank mentioned, that's right over uh, next to Lifeway. And we always pray for one of our missions, and today we'll be praying for Lifeway. So we do that every week, and those will be the two things we pray about. And then every week we pray about a different subject. And today we're going to pray about spiritual war. And maybe it's appropriate when we think about the, the things that God is doing in us. The war that goes on between our old self and the new self that God has created in the new birth. And so we're going to pray that we wouldn't just think as we go through this week, that this week is just a normal week where we go to Walmart or Walgreens, or I don't mean to leave anybody out, Thriftway, you know, Albertsons, whatever. We go to these places, we go to work, we eat with our family, and we just go about a normal life, and there's nothing else going on. We pay the bills, we get on Facebook and avoid all the rants and look at the cute pictures. And, you know, it's like not just a normal week, not just a normal everyday week, but that we see this week, as we step into this week, there is a spiritual war going on. Part of it, part of it is for the salvation of people's souls. And so we're going to pray that God might bless our small efforts. Some of you might do great, amazing things for the Lord. But for all the rest of us, we just have some small efforts that we offer to the Lord. And He uses those small efforts in this spiritual war for great things. So, if you would, bow with me to pray. And right after we get through praying, we're going to have the text read from Zechariah chapter 4. This morning, Alex King will be reading our text. And as soon as he gets done, what's he going to say? Man, these kids listen every week. It's amazing. Do you guys hear that? He's going to say this is the word of the Lord because he's going to read from the Bible. We're differentiating between what he says and what I preach. God's word and a gift that God gives of preaching. And we're all going to say, man, that's way better than last week. Way to go. You guys are the A team. All right, let's pray. And then as soon as we get done praying, Alex, you can come on up and We'll, we'll uh, all be standing for Zechariah chapter 4. Lord, we thank You for this morning. We give You praise that You decided, You decided to give us a day of life. You chose to give breath in our lungs right now. You're holding the universe and our existence and our lives together right this minute. What a good, good God you are. Thank you for who you are, Lord. We give you praise. Lord, we pray that the gospel would indeed be spoken, preached, held up here in each of our hearts, that none of us would, although we have a heart of desire to be more like Christ, that none of us would depend on becoming like Christ in order to be saved. We would know that you save us through the gospel. You save us through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And we want our response to be that we yield, that we surrender, that we lay down our life as the man in the video did, that we lay down our rights that we have, and we ask You, God, to chisel away for You to be the King of our life. 
Help us to recognize that that is indeed who you are. You are the sovereign king of the universe. We pray also, God, that this message of the gospel might be preached clearly today at the First Baptist Church. I, I thank you for Todd. I'm grateful for his love for you, his love for the word, his trust and faith in you. And I pray, God, that as he speaks today, that you will speak mightily through him. I pray that people would hear the gospel, and we know that the power of the gospel is the power unto salvation. So we pray that you would use that today in that way. Lord, we also thank you for the ministry, for the mission that is going on at Lifeway Pregnancy Center right here in our backyard. We thank you, God, for Elizabeth. Thank you for Catherine. Thank you for Frank, I thank you for Jackie. I thank you for all these that were mentioned who helped. I pray, God, that all these things would be for your glory. I pray, God, that life would be, would be held up and, and that, that we would be in awe and amazement of your creation. That we would do everything within our power to love people who find themselves in a pregnancy that they were not expecting or that perhaps they didn't want. We pray, God, that we could be the eyes, the mouth, the hands, the feet of Jesus. That You would give us a heart of love for these mothers and for these babies. Lord, finally we asked this week that you would awaken our minds, our eyes, our hearts, our spirits to the fact that there's a spiritual war going on. Help us to be aware that our enemy is a lion who is prowling around. He's looking for someone he might devour. We pray, God, that we might not grow weary in doing good, but that we might believe that at the proper time we'll reap a harvest of good things for all of the, the good works that you put in front of us to do. That we wouldn't quit or get lazy, God. Lord, we pray for those that we know who don't know you. God, we are not better than them. We are not holier than thou attitude above them. We believe we meet on solid, equal, same ground beside them at the cross, all in need of a Savior. Would you, God, help us in this spiritual war to be people who speak the truth in love? Thank you now for your word and Holy Spirit. We invite you to teach us as we read from this part of your Bible that we don't read very often. Help our ears, our minds, our hearts to be attentive. We pray it all in the name of Jesus. And everyone said... Amen. Alex? Good morning. Today I'll be reading from Zechariah 4. Then the angel who talked with me returned and woke me up like someone awakened from sleep. He asked me, what do you see? I answered him, I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top and seven lamps on it, with seven channels to the lamps. Also there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. I asked the angel who talked with me, what are these, my lord? And he answered, do you not know what these are? No, my lord, I replied. So he said to me, this is, the word, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by my might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. What are you, mighty mountain, before Zerubbabel? You will become level ground. Then he will bring out the capstone to the shouts of God bless it, God bless it. Then the word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands will also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me. Who dares despise the day of small things, since the seven eyes of the Lord that range throughout the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel? Then I asked the angel, What are these two olive trees on the right and the left of the lampstand? 
Again I asked him, What are these two olive branches besides the two gold pipes that pour out golden oil? He replied, Do you not know what these are? No, my Lord, I said. So he said, These are the two who are anointed to serve the Lord of all the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Alex. All of us have had some times in our life when we got excited about something. I mean, we got fired up about something in our life. We were pumped. I can remember a time when I told my dad, years and years ago, I used to play racquetball, and I foolishly made this statement. I'm going to play racquetball every week for the rest of my life. Well, that's, that's just a dumb thing to say. My knees told me a few years later, you're not doing that anymore. So um, we all get fired up about these things, and spiritually this happens. Sometimes we have mountaintop experiences, or, or for whatever reason, the Lord works in our life, and we are on this spiritual fire for the Lord. And all of us have had some times also in our life when fires that started began to go out. We lost interest in the hobby. We didn't care about the job anymore. Our hearts grew cold toward a relationship. We might have tried with all of our might to keep it going. But no good. You guys had this experience before? Yeah? Well, that's what happened to Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel is the man who was commissioned by God to rebuild the temple. And he came back to Jerusalem. When he first got back, he was motivated, motivated, on fire, fired up to rebuild the temple. But years went by. There was lots of things that got in the way, lots of problems, enemies and internal fighting and politics and all kinds of things discouraged Zerubbabel And the work had come to a standstill. In fact, the book of Haggai says that the people lost interest in building the temple of God. It it says they were more interested in building their own homes than in building up God's house or the kingdom of God. It's not that they didn't care about God, I'm sure. They were just... Busy. They were just busy. They were busy with their own projects, with their own jobs, with their own stuff. And verse 4 of this chapter that Alex just read for us speaks of a vision of a lampstand with seven candles and with oil that's poured into them. And it's basically a picture, probably, of what the Jews would remember as the menorah, this seven-candle lampstand that would be in the temple of the Lord, and it would bring light into this dimly lit place. It represented the light of God. The priests had to refill these with oil on a regular basis so that the lights wouldn't go out. The priest has to keep coming back. Keep coming back. Keep pouring oil so the lights don't go out. But in this vision, the light is miraculously maintained and doesn't depend on any person to keep it going. And that's the main point of this chapter. The work that God is doing in this world, the work that God is doing in the place where you live, some of you are guests from out of town, I know there's some people here that are from Albuquerque, and I think there's some of you that are here from probably a little state over toward our east. Wherever you live, the work that God is doing in that little state, and the work that God is doing in our little state, in our little village, the work that God is doing in our little families, it doesn't depend on you. It depends on God Almighty. 
He is the one who is doing the work. It's amazing to me when you get to know his character, when you study about his character, you see how amazing and incredible and and self-sufficient and how he doesn't need anything or anyone. It's amazing to me that he still chooses to use our small contributions to do his amazing work. It's a great privilege that we get to participate with God. Many of you just gave some money when the plates went around. What an amazing privilege to get to participate with what God is doing in this world. It's incredible. Because he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He could just go kill some cattle. They're worth a lot. He could just go sell them at auction. But he chooses to use all of us in his work. So it's not by, it's not by, I'm sorry, I messed up there. Yeah, it's just not by our power. It's not by our might, but it's by his spirit. I've seen this verse, Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, on posters where somebody's catching a football catch in the end zone. Not by my might, not by my power, but by your spirit, Lord, I caught this football. Well, I'm not sure that that's exactly what God was talking about in Zechariah chapter 4. And I won't argue with somebody who wants to apply it that way. But I think that God is not talking about our sporting hobbies. He's not talking about us finding the perfect deal on a new house. This is talking about accomplishing God's will on this earth. That's what Zerubbabel is working on. And he's wondering, how can I do it? This is God's will. How can I do God's will? And many of you know things that are going on in your life that you know it's God's will. You know it's God's will that, that these things would change in your heart. You know it's God's will that, that you would faithfully share the gospel with somebody who doesn't know Jesus. But how, God? It's a mess. It's a confusing situation. Sharing the good news with lost friends and family. Raising our kids in the Lord. Doing good work at our jobs so we represent Jesus well. Overcoming the persisting temptations of our life. Doing good works in God's kingdom. How can we do these things? Not by our might. Not by our power. Not by our education. Not by us being more experienced or smarter. But by His Spirit. God says that's the only way it'll happen. By His Spirit. So I believe there are two things here that we'll just look at quickly today. That He says two instructions here. How can this work be done by His Spirit instead of us doing it by our own? Our own schemes. Our own ideas. Well, here's two things. The first one is this. He tells us to stay in His presence. The vision, again, of the menorah, the gold lamp, the gold oil, the two trees, it all points to God's presence. This is what we need, folks. Whether we realize it or not, we need His presence. We need God's presence like we need food. Now, if I don't get some food today, there's going to be a problem. What about you? We don't even think about it because we do get food every day. We need His presence like we need water. If I don't don't get some coffee today, oh, did I say coffee? If I don't get some water today, that's what I meant to say, there's going to be a problem. We need His presence like we need air. If I can't breathe for the next, I don't know, how long do you think it would take? Four, five minutes? If I get no air? It's going to be a bad, bad problem. My physical body. We need God's presence like we need these things. His presence is experienced, I believe, in times like this when we gather together with other believers. We sing worship songs. We pray. We we commune together. We encourage each other. I hope you've been looking around this morning. It's one of the commandments God gave you. He said to you, He said, Hey, Wyatt, When you get together, I mean, don't give up getting together. Good job. You're here. Okay? 
And he says, encourage somebody today. It's all in Hebrews chapter 10, I think. So Nick, look around to encourage somebody today. Been looking? Okay, good. Nuray, you got somebody in mind? If you don't, you can look across. There's a couple people over here that kind of got like sad looks. You can go talk to them afterwards, okay? So everybody, I'm just, I'm just saying, I could go around to every single name in the whole room. This is a great way that we come into God's presence together. It's a very special way that we come into God's presence. But it's not the only way. His presence is sure when we're reading His Word and when we're praying. God's presence is closest when we are staying in step with His Spirit. Which I believe the book of Galatians tells us, stay in step with the Spirit. So when the Spirit leads you to Oh, don't step there. If you step there, you're going to fall. Step here. Then stay in step with where the Spirit tells you to step. Now, the Bible tells us a lot about the Spirit, quite honestly, more than I understand. But the Bible tells us for sure that the Holy Spirit guides us. The Holy Spirit will guide you in your life. Stay in step with Him. The Holy Spirit counsels us. Listen to the counsel of the Holy Spirit. Stay in step. Years ago, when Amy and I, as we've shared with you before about some of the marriage problems we were having, there was a couple that counseled us. And I can't remember their names right now, but then another man counseled us, and his name is Pat Trembley. And Pat has become one of our dear friends. And God used them to help save our marriage. And I'll never forget when he drew a picture on a piece of paper and he showed it to us. And my internal husband idea, husband goal, husband wish I could be, completely changed when he showed us this little stick drawing that he had drawn. He was counseling us. And what he said went deep into my heart. And it didn't change me immediately. And that's, I mean, that's mainly because I'm a jerk. That's the reason. It took a long time. By the way, you guys are a tough audience today. You guys are really, you guys seem to be I don't know if you're asleep and thinking about the football games. I don't know what's going on, but you guys don't seem completely engaged. And so what I heard is somebody should hit the preacher when that happens. So somebody, if you can get a stick, hit me over the head. I must not be doing a very good job. I, I was changed on the inside when the Holy Spirit used Pat to change my heart, to counsel me. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He counsels us. The Holy Spirit will comfort us. He'll comfort us in times of tremendous pain, tremendous depression, tremendous hard situations, loss. The Holy Spirit will stay in step with where He tells us to go, what He instructs us to do. The Holy Spirit will be our teacher. That's why we pray almost every week. Holy Spirit, teach us when we read Your Word. You're the teacher. Teach us, Lord. The Holy Spirit will convict us. The Holy Spirit will convict us. This week, all of you, I'm, I'm, I almost know every person in the room, a few of you that are guests I don't know, but everybody that I do know, you guys are all human beings. And so, and I assume the rest of you are too. But all of you guys are human beings. And so, I know that this is going to happen this week. You will be tempted. And the Holy Spirit is a gift inside of us to convict us of sin. Not not to condemn us. He doesn't condemn us. That's the voice of the accuser that we talked about last week. He convicts us of the action, of the sin. He points to it. Whether we choose 
to sin or not to sin, he convicts us of that sin. That's a bad choice. That's wrong. Don't do that. Don't step there. The Holy Spirit convicts us. How do we stay in step? We can, first of all, pray every single day. And I encourage you to do it every day this week if you're not already. Pray every day that when you wake up, Lord, today, fill me with Your Holy Spirit. Fill me with Your Holy Spirit again today. That's what Paul prayed for the Ephesians. And in extension, he prayed it for us. It's exactly what he said, that we might be filled with the Spirit. Ask God daily to fill you with the new oil of the Holy Spirit, like this vision of God, this vision of God's presence in Zechariah, so that your light doesn't grow dim. When, when I was a kid, probably at VBS or something like that, we used to sing this song. Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. Give me oil in my lamp, I pray. Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning, burning, burning. Keep me burning till the break of day. Thanks. And I, I always thought, man, that's a weird song. I don't want any oil, okay? I don't, don't give me any oil, Lord. I don't know. I was a kid. I didn't know what that meant. That's what it meant. It's a prayer. It's a prayer for little kids. Give me oil, Lord. Give me your spirit today, Lord. Fill me again today, Lord. I need your spirit to listen to, to follow, to stay in step with. I need your presence, God. Fill me up again today, Lord. I can't live without your presence. We can listen to the Holy Spirit's voice. We can listen to his voice through the word. He'll never say anything that disagrees with the word. Ever. I've had people say before, well, the Holy Spirit is leading me to get divorced from my spouse. Like That's very interesting. Why would the Holy Spirit be doing that? Well, because I met my soulmate. It's like, well, I hate to tell you, that is not the Holy Spirit. Because that disagrees with God's Word. So that's not possible that that's the Holy Spirit. Not only through the Word, but through our brothers and sisters in Christ. Many of you have spoken words to me in my life. You have said sentences to me and you didn't even know what you were saying and the Holy Spirit was speaking directly to me. You weren't trying to tell me anything, but the Holy Spirit was trying to tell John something. The Holy Spirit can speak to us through circumstances that happen. And we can be obedient. And every time that we are obedient... The light of God's Spirit burns brighter in our hearts because we are learning to trust Him more and more and more. Because we have a very rebellious streak inside of us. A rebellious streak that says, step there? That's a bad idea. That's going to be embarrassing. That's a dumb idea. That never works. I'm not going to step there. I'm going to step over here. But every time we do what the Spirit leads us to do and we we go ahead and step into that place that seems dumb or risky or silly or not wise, but the Holy Spirit has led us somehow to that. God proves Himself to be faithful. He proves Himself to be faithful to us. In verse 7, we begin to see that God is able to take mountains of rubble and He's able to move them out of the way or to use them to build beautiful things in our lives and in the world. God is the one who can move mountains. Are you facing mountains in your life right now? Maybe it's with your health. Maybe it's with a relationship. Maybe it's with your parents. Maybe it's with your kids. Maybe, it's, maybe you're facing a mountain of your own sin. Maybe that's what you're facing and the consequences of it god has the power and the ability to move mountains and and he's not a genie in a bottle we don't find a certain way to say the exact right words and then god has to move the mountain because we said it just right god will do what god will do but when something in his is his will in your life 
and it feels like a mountain in front, God is able to move that mountain. Don't be discouraged by mountains. Stay in His presence. And the second thing is this. Well, that's not the second thing. That was the verse. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. Here's the second thing. Bring your small things. The verse says, who, it's in verse 10, who dares despise the day of small things? Don't despise the small things. The work that these people were doing at the temple to start to rebuild it, it seemed insurmountable to rebuild a whole big temple and laying the foundation like they'd already done. That's just a small thing. They had miles and miles to go. And of course, there are always people who despise small things. They're the people who say, oh, you only had two people at your Bible study. Oh, sounds like that's going real well. Sarcastic type things. Or people who say, wow, we don't need to waste our money on that. It's only helping Six people, so stop wasting our money. Let's get the best bang for our buck. We'll help 500 people. There can be some wisdom in all that. But people who despise things that, for the reason that they're small. There's always going to be people who think small things are meaningless things. And those people are wrong. The easiest thing in the world to do is to criticize Don't be discouraged by people who despise small things. Don't be discouraged. God promises that His work that He's doing through Zerubbabel will be finished. That's what it says here in chapter 4. And guess what, guys? He promises this. In fact, me and Audrey Perry were just talking about it this morning. He promises us this. He will finish the good work that He started in you. So don't be discouraged by small things. Someone might think, I can't do much. I can't speak or I can't sing or I'm not educated. I'm not strong physically anymore. I'm just a plain person. Guess what, folks? That's who God uses. God uses just plain people. David is a plain person. He's a little shepherd boy. They're looking for a king. He's out in the field. His dad doesn't even call him in. Call in the three, four, whatever, tall, strong, big, not small, the ones that are educated, the ones that have all, you know, they, they're kingly. Call them in. But God chooses the plain little guy. Think about the boy with two fish and five loaves. I mean, there's thousands of people. And this guy goes, uh, I don't have enough for everybody, but I've got this little bag. And that's who God uses. He just uses plain people, folks. Jesus tells parables about leaven. You ladies know what leaven is. I shouldn't just say ladies. You cooks. That's what I meant to say. You cooks know what leaven is. You put it in flour and it makes... Am I saying that right? I'm not a cook. But you put it in flour or yeast or something. Put it in sugar. Where do you put it? Put it in baking soda? Thanks. You're not a cook either. Okay, so... You put it somewhere and, and it just takes a little bit and it makes the whole, the whole batch rise. The whole batch rises. So whatever your good deeds are, you're just a little bit of good deeds. Tiny little small thing. Your s- simple little small words. Just a little bit. Don't be discouraged. Jesus says that's 11. It changes the whole thing. The whole deal gets changed by somebody's little deeds, little words, and it spreads. So don't be discouraged. Jesus tells about a mustard seed. Tiniest of seeds, he says, grows a huge tree. The birds can rest and nest and and do other stuff there and, and people can get in the shade. And Your tiny steps of faith I don't know what they might be. 
maybe, maybe a step of faith for you this year is, I haven't read the whole Bible in my whole life. And even though it's a big book, and I don't think I'm going to understand very much of it, I'm going to take a step of faith. I'm going to read through the Bible this year. A mustard seed. It gets planted and it grows. You can't see it. You start reading and you're like, man, what are all these crazy names in the book of Genesis? I don't understand any of this stuff. And it gets planted and it gets planted in your heart and it gets planted in your conversations. It gets planted in your thoughts throughout the day. And all of a sudden it begins to grow to something huge. It's a little thing. Paul says, in Corinthians he says, about him and another guy, he says, look, I, I, all I did was I just planted some seeds. And all this other guy did was he watered, or maybe he says the other way. The other guy, Apollos, he planted and I watered, whichever way. He says, I did a little bit, he did a little bit. We just did some small little things. But God made the seeds grow in people's hearts. And now people are changed for eternity because somebody planted a seed. You can plant a seed. You can pour a little bit of water of encouragement a little bit of water of blessing on people around you. A little baby was born in a manger. Just a little thing. And look what God did with something so small. I think about us right here. We've seen a, we, we didn't hear a lot of stories and testimonies, but I've heard stories and testimonies from Lifeway. Frank helped build a she shed. Quite honestly, Frank, it's beautiful, but it's just a little thing. It's just a she shed. I believe because of that kind of work, babies' lives are going to be saved. Mothers are going to be helped. You have cards sitting around you on the pew to send to the people in Texas who had this tragedy at the church where three people died. They're sitting on the pews around you. Oh, it's not that big. It's a little thing. I mean, if I write a little word, it doesn't matter. They don't even know me. It's going to be like some anonymous thing. They're not even going to read it. They'll probably get a big deal and you know, set it over there and it'll collect dust. See, that's people who despise small things. Instead of seeing our big God who takes your words that you could write on that little card who knows who's there in Texas and how God might use your sentence, your prayer, your paragraph, your name. One of the mission groups that works meets here at Gateway, uh, it's, it's Troy's mission group, Troy Martin, and uh, he and John Rucker kind of run that together, and I thought I saw the Ruckers, but maybe they left. Are they teaching or something? Oh, there they are. He's right there. I see him. There's John. So it, they meet at John Rucker's house most of the time. And Troy and John and some other people from their mission group, they just did, they just did a little thing, just a small thing. They, they took a Saturday or a couple of hours from different days, and they went back into Christian services and they built some shelves. And they made a lot more room for people to go back and be able to get a coat. Just a small thing. Yeah, yay, amen. Kim says, not a small thing. Big thing. Oh, Kim says she's teaching dance lessons now because they... Okay, so thank you, Kim. That was not in my notes. I appreciate that. It's a small thing. People who are cold will be warm. It's just a small thing. God uses it for a big thing. One of the people who's sitting here in this room today around Christmas time made some cookies and he took them around to his neighbors, carried them around and gave some of his neighbors cookies. And the reason I know that, I mean, that's a little thing. It's not a big deal. The reason I know that is because another person in this room sent me a text saying how much that meant that that man came by and brought cookies. Just a little thing. But what an encouragement to another follower of Christ. I wish she was here today. Mary Harrell writes the most encouraging notes. 
And a lot of you write encouraging notes, so don't get your feelings hurt, okay? I, I gotta be careful what I say. But I'll be honest, Mary Harrell writes the most encouraging notes. She wrote me a note one time to say thank you, and she wrote it in like 20 different languages. I looked them up on Google. I, I really did. It said thank you in like 20 different languages. What an encouragement that is. Our ladies class prays for our prayer list, and they send cards out to people that we're praying for here in our congregation, but also at other congregations. And one lady who lives in a little state to our east said, Gateway prays for me more than my own church. Well, it's just a little thing to write a note. What's the big deal? Just, you don't have to do that. You can just say a prayer. God uses it for His work in the world to encourage a sister in Christ who's struggling with cancer in Texas. I was folding up some letters to mail out to our congregation a few weeks ago. And as I was folding them, uh, and it was a day that Twyla had been working really hard, and she had been, she had been working, it was a short week, and she had been working all week, and this was just a leftover thing at the end of the week, and so I thought, well, I can do that. So I folded these up, and as I was, was sealing them and getting ready to put in the mail, I was just praying for every single family as I closed that up. And one of the things I was praying was that you would receive the letter as it was meant as care and love and concern from your elders. And right in the middle of while I was doing that, a sister in Christ called me on the phone and said, I don't know why I need to tell you this, but I got to tell you something. And she told me about something that God had put on her heart. And it related directly to exactly what the letter was concerning. It was like God was saying to me, I'm here, God. I'm here, John. I'm God and I'm right here and I've got all this in control. It was just a little phone call. I didn't need to make the phone call. I didn't have to do that. God uses these things. The Super Bowl's coming up. Who are you guys going for? The Cowboys? Oh, <laughs> I was like, man, that's a, that's a state of delusion right there. Goodness. Kansas City, the 49ers, the Titans. I've only heard three of the four, so I guess we're in Green Bay. Okay, so we got all four. We got them all represented in here. You know, the Super Bowl is fun. It's a fun, uh, really a cultural event in our, in our nation. I wonder if you could use the Super Bowl this year as a small thing for the Lord. I wonder if maybe... Just an idea, maybe you and another family here at Gateway, the two of you could get together and say, let's meet at your house and let's invite some of our friends who don't go to church. Let's hang out for three or four hours. We're not trying to blindside them or you know, knock them upside the head with a Bible. We just are going to spend some time with some people that don't know the Lord. It's a small thing. But here's the deal. You don't really need my ideas. That's an idea. You don't need my ideas because... The fire of the Holy Spirit keeps burning inside of you. And if you will listen, He will guide you. He will lead you. He will counsel you to these small things. To join the work that God is doing. You guys remember John Kiker? He was a member here for a long time. He passed away a couple of years ago after a fight with cancer. And, and years before that, John, and when they, he and Rita moved here, he marched into my office. John is a doctor. He's used to marching in and giving orders. And he marched into my office and he sat down and he said, John Duncan, I'm going to come in every Monday morning and you're going to give me a list of things that you need help with around here. So you just make a list and I'll get it done. End of meeting. That was kind of the way it went. And... That sounds like every preacher's dream come true. Except there's just something wrong with that. Because I'm not John Kiker's Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is John Kiker's Holy Spirit. And so after a little bit of awkward trying to get this out, I finally said to him, John, I'm not going to make you a list. What? I'm not. I'll pray with you, and we can pray together 
for the Holy Spirit to lead you to what He wants you to do. And so we did. And a little bit later, within a few months, John Kiker had connected up with the Mescalero Care Center, and for quite a while, at least a year or two, they made him the chaplain of the Mescalero Care Center. Now, I couldn't have assigned that to him because I would have never thought of that idea. And because I'm not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will guide you to the small things, to the ministries, to the things that He has prepared in advance for you to do. This pile of rubble beside me, if something was going to be built out of it, look up there and just imagine if, if you were to take the orange barrel or the red stop sign or some metal pieces or something and you were to build something out of this stuff up here, Would God need to use any small things to build it? Or would He just need the big things? Last week we watched a video, if you remember, of the garbage dump where they went and collected up trash and garbage and they built instruments for kids in Paraguay to have violins and flutes and um, guitars and cellos. And they built it all out of trash. And if you just, I know it's blurry, I I couldn't get a better picture, but if you just take a look, there's a couple of them hanging on the wall, and if you look down at the bottom of the green one right there, what is that? It's a fork. It's just a dumb old fork. It's just a small little thing. It's something that somebody threw away. It's something that didn't matter. But in the hands of the right person, and we're saying we're putting our selves in the hands of God Almighty, then your little things can be used. God will use your little things to make beautiful music in this world. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up and we're going to finish up with a song. And I just want to say this, whatever little things you have that you have not been using, I hope that you've heard the Holy Spirit pulling at your heart to use the small things in your life this week. Whatever small things you have been using, let me just give you a precursor of what I say in faith that God will say to you someday. Well done. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Keep using those small things. Stay in my presence and add your small things. We're going to have an invitation song. Maybe you need prayer. What if you were to come forward today and ask for prayer? It's just a small thing. We have shepherds and elders that pray together with you. It's just a small little thing. God can use it in big ways. Some of you believe in Christ. You've trusted Him to save you from your sins, but you've never been baptized. Getting baptized is just a little thing. Just a tiny little thing. But God uses it as a ceremony. Use it as a ceremony to show the world and to remind us that we are buried with Christ. We are raised like He was raised. We believe that He died for our sins, buried and raised. We join in that story. Maybe it's just in your heart today that you commit the smallest things of my life I'm going to give them to the Lord. We're going to sing the song, On Bended Knee I Come, and With a Humble Heart I Come. And so sing this song as a commitment to the Lord in humility to give Him the small things of your life. Let's stand and let's sing.